Hello and welcome to Mainstream. My name is Gianni and Mainstream is the high-profile video game series from the creators at Pixel Sift. Joining me this week is Adam Christou. Hello, Adam. How are you? Hello, hello. Welcome welcome from Lockdown City HQ, uh, Melbourne. I'm doing okay. It's a moment in time right now. And one thing we can do is play video games, and that's something we have been doing uh, in spades. And now, if you haven't heard of Pixel Sift before, uh, Pixel Sift is uh, an outlet that looks at indie games, um, but we also play, obviously, high-profile games as well, and that's what Mainstream is all about. So this is episode 16, um, and we've been playing one really high-profile game and one sort of sort of middle-of-the-range, but sort of still quite, quite interesting game. Um, and Adam, you have been playing Ghosts of Tsushima. Yeah, um, Ghost of Tsushima is is a very interesting game that I am so torn on, um, and yeah, it's it's you know it's an open world game, uh, and it's a samurai epic, and it's it's kind of all of the cliches of an open world game, but somehow still very satisfying. It's like a good Big Mac. You kind of accept that it's bad for you, but you really want to munch into it. It's I have a complicated relationship with this game, big time. And I've been playing the, I'd say, double-A indie title, uh, Ooblets by Glumberland, uh, which is available now in early access. Uh, just appeared on the Epic Games Store and also on the Games Pass. Let's jump in, shall we? Australia's best video game podcast. Subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. All right, I love supernatural games. Tell me about the single ghost of Tsushima uh, and about all the spooky things that are in this game, Adam, because I don't know anything about it at all. Great. Okay, well, Ghost of Tsushima is the brand new game from Sucker Punch, Sony first-party studio that are really well known for their infamous series, which is, I think it started in, was it PlayStation 2 or maybe PlayStation 3? 3. Um, yeah, and, and you know, Infamous was kind of an open-world superhero game where you could either be like a a villain or a superhero and there was like you know powers and alignments and you could shoot electricity um its sequel uh on the playstation 4 infamous 2 was second son was a bit hit and miss and um had some very fair critiques around the the casting of of non-native american um voice actors in native american roles um but here they are back with uh, ghost of tsushima a big open world uh game set in medieval japan um, during the infamous invasion of Japan by the Mongols in 1274. Um, and it's set on the island of Tsushima, which was really the first landing site of that initial invasion by the Mongols into Japan. Um, it's a visually stunning game. It's gorgeous in a lot of different ways. Um, and it takes big inspiration from the rich pantheon of samurai epics and films, but most notably the work of Japanese director Akira Kurosawa in its visual style, but also this game just flat up opens with the option to play in Kurosawa mode, which throws the game into a retro black and white filter, um, kind of changes the tone of the audio so it sounds like a tinny old film from the 50s and 60s, um, and puts everything in Japanese dialogue. So a lot of work has been put into making this game feel like an epic and also feel like a Japanese epic as well. Um, you play the character of Jin Sakai, who is a very boring samurai lord. He's on the lower chain of the samurais in terms of like uh, rungs, if you will. He's not like in the the main court or whatever of the shogun. Um, and he's kind of on a very mundane quest where he must weigh up his rigid, rigid honor code versus whether or not he will 
bend the rules of a samurai to save Tsushima from the Mongols. And that means like, of course, taking up stealth mechanics and being a ninja. Um, and you guessed it, you'll be invading all sorts of bandit camps and tagging enemies and using stealth-based abilities to um, empty those bandit camps and kind of turn over territory back to you. You'll do side quests on a big, big map full of icons where you will go and collect things. We have all played this game many times over the last dec decade. It feels like this game could not exist without things like where the Assassin's Creed trilogy and the whole Ubisoft open world formula went. Um, and so like that immediately can make you feel pretty tepid and lukewarm towards mm. a game like this. But, you know, despite all of that, there was something about this game that really grabbed me in a, in a profound way. And it's like, it's certainly not the story, which I think kind of dances around this idea of like honor code and of like, um, it's like, I almost want to say it's like, it's a little bit of orient orientalism. It feels like this game is playing around with the most tropey tropes that you can possibly imagine around samurai epics. And it's like, it's all about honor and family code and ancestor. Um, and it's frustrating and it's a bit generic, but at the same time, it's just enjoyable to play. The combat's really visceral. It's really fun. Um, collecting things in this game feels really satisfying in a way that I wouldn't expect. Like so it doesn't feel like a little to... fetch questy sort of thing. You actually does feel meaningful. Yeah, like it's it's you know you you find um, fox shrines around the world, and then you'll get to one, and then a fox will appear, and you follow the fox to then go pray at a shrine, and that unlocks like new charms for you to use it upgrades your charm slot so there's always like some tangible benefit of finding one of those fox shrines likewise there are shinto shrines um, that are usually in hard to reach locations that require some really fun platforming platforming that would be familiar for anyone that's played a game a triple a game that has jumping and climbing mechanics like you know tomb raider or uncharted in the last 10 years lots of um, ledges that are painted white in just a certain way for you to kind of jump onto um, but they were always fun to scale to kind of get to the shrine at the top. Um, and when you got there, you were greeted by a very gorgeously stunning vista that is actually jaw-dropping to look at. But on top of that, you would receive a charm that would kind of dramatically change the way that you would play combat and, and stealth mechanics in a really meaningful way. And collecting all of those charms and then working out a charm build was actually really satisfying and made um, the effort of going to all of that exploration really worth it and palatable in a way that just quite isn't there in games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey or Origins where for the most part you clean out a bandit den and you just you've ticked it off the map and you don't really get anything that feels tangible or changes gameplay in a monumental way whereas in Ghost of Tsushima it feels like ticking those things off actually felt like it was worth it like something had changed for me when I did those things but do you um, think that's a factor of this being a new world a sort of different context it isn't Assassin's Creed 15 or whatever uh, it is actually a thing, or is it th that they have actually done enough in each of the incremental actions that you need to do, the tasks, uh, to make it feel more worth your time? Dude, I don't know. Like, <laughs> to be honest, it's 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 so interesting <laughs> to me because everything about this is so, like, through the ropes generic. Like, we've all done this before, but there was just something about going through the motions in this game that felt really satisfying to me. It, it actually, like, I 100%ed this game. I've got pretty much everything except one type of collectible that would have let me platinum it because it was, like, finding banners around the world. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually stopping there. This gives me nothing tangible except a new saddle every 20 banners, and I don't need a pretty saddle for my horse. Um, but I 
I cleared out this whole map. I spent way more time with this game than I thought I would. I did every side quest, main quest, and mythic quest. I thought some of those quests were really fantastic in their design, um, very kind of patient and well-written, um, considering, you know, you're dealing with what you're dealing with, which is a bunch of tropes. Um, I still found myself kind of enjoying some of the characters and side stories within that kind of narrow framework that they were playing within. Um, you know, I, I I can't stress how much that it feels like this game should have been just like a very boring one of those. But for me, I took away from it a feeling of satisfaction that I didn't know I needed more than anything. And maybe it's part of being in lockdown right now. This game has a real sort of quiet patience about it it's it's almost like an exhalation a breath moment everything feels contemplative and slow it's not like one of those open world games where you bump into a side quest and they're writing hammy characters for the sake of like like a humorous interaction i one of the best examples i can think of is i'm now playing assassin's creed games because i want to feel that feeling of ticking off things in an open world and i just came across a quest in assassin's creed odyssey which felt like just really tonally kind of jokey and ham-fisted and was like, what is the feeling of this setting? Because it feels like you've made an amusement park version of ancient Greece for me to run around in, whereas Ghost of Tsushima has created um, a sort of hyper-real fantasy Japan that feels visually breathtaking at all moments, but has kind of a, a quiet gentleness about it where you can really just slow down and breathe and take in the moment of walking through this space in a way that I haven't really felt since Breath of the Wild. That being said, mm. this game doesn't have the sense of like adventure that Breath of the Wild did where you'd look off in a direction and go, that mountain looks cool. In Ghost of Shishima, you'll be like, that's another pretty mountain, but I don't really feel the need to climb it that much unless there's a question mark on my map telling me to go there. Yeah, right. Um, it's interesting there's no that- mini-map in this game, though, which I think is really interesting, too. Ah. Um, it uses a mechanic that essentially uses the wind itself in the game world to kind of give you the direction that you should be heading in. So once you kind of put, um, once you open up the big map, which takes over your screen, you can select your destination or your waypoint for the quest, and gusts of wind will then start blowing in that direction, and everything in this game comes to life, like leaves, um, the Are they the ghosts? Blades. Is that the ghosts of Tsushima? No, the ghost of Tsushima is actually Jin Sakai himself. That's a nickname that people give him because he becomes like a ghost, a ninja. He goes back on all his samurai teachings uh. to, I don't know, sneak around in the bushes and shank people. And, you know, the story I've already forgotten. What I will remember in this game is the beauty of the entire environment coming to life with movement when the wind blows in a certain direction and just the subtle way that that nudges you to kind of shift the direction that your horse is moving to head a little bit to the left to climb up mm. that ridge to head towards where you need to go rather than keeping my eyes fixed on a mini map or yeah. having to constantly open the map it, it felt really almost revolutionary and in and involving to feel like uh, that that style of using the wind was my way of getting direction around a world and i hope more games think about that as a mechanic to use in the future um uh, games like this and The Last of Us Part 2 um, really feel like PlayStation 4 capstone games. This is the best we can achieve with the PlayStation 4. Um, is that something you thought about as you were playing this game, that this is the first-party title? We're pushing the, the best of what we can do. It's as much a pitch for the next generation as anything else. Visually, absolutely. This is like a sumptuous feast for the eyes. Like I cannot overstate how much I think this is like the most gorgeous game I've played in such a long time. Um, but, like, in terms of gameplay and the expectations of what this game is, 
it's still like it feels like a game from nine ten years ago it feels like tomb raider from 2013 it feels like uncharted 2 except in an open world it feels like whispers of the witcher 3 but not quite um i feel like in terms of what you're going to get out of this gameplay experience you could get it from quite a lot of other places and you could have already had that experience years ago it's really the visuals and the sound design and then the great combat like i can't stress how much that combat feels a little bit like a clunky afterthought in these big open world games but here it it flows and moves so satisfyingly well um that those are the takeaways that i get from it it's like finally the combat feels as worked on and as polished as the world around you and the world around you is just beautiful and breathtaking every like second that you spend in it it's interesting when you talk about the combat because i remember from a lot of the games in those sort of big open world where you have these large scale battles and you're going up against thing it kind of feels like almost like a choreographed dance in some ways that you are literally waiting to hit your mark and then the enemy will do it same thing even games like the last of us 2 some of the close combat in that sort of feels a bit like that but you did, did you have that feeling with uh, with this game um a little bit like i guess one of the best um comparisons would probably be like sort of close to what shadow of mordor and the batman arkham arkham series were doing but a little bit more involved um so um it's very much like you've got two main attacks you've got a light attack and you've got a heavy attack the heavy attack is good to break guard on enemies and they have a posture kind of guard meter and once that's broken you can really lay in on them and do some serious health damage um, but also you start to unlock different stances and you want to swap kind of uh, sword stances based on the sort of enemy that you're fighting so um, you'll want to use like a certain stance for shield bearers then there's another stance that you want to use for polearm users you get all sorts of advantages and can break their guard posture a little bit easier by swapping to those stances so combat becomes this really rhythmic flow of swapping stances based on who you're fighting um, timing your parries and dodges and blocks really well which reminded me a little bit of Sekiro, which was really satisfying because I love a good tight parry mechanic in action combat games. And this game gives you that rush and that feeling really well. Um, and then you can just start throwing in a whole bunch of like ninja um, ghost tools is what they call them. So you have like um, um, knives that you can throw, you have bombs and very, and like, um, you know, smoke bombs so that you can escape and hide and reset stealth. And then there's a whole bunch of like, you know, you're very kind of Assassin's Creed style kind of stealth abilities, hiding in grass, throwing wind chimes to bring people over to you and lure them away from people, doing stealth ambushes that kill people. All that sort of stuff is kind of in there too. There's a really cool mechanic, which is um, called the standoff. And it's uh, if you kind of head up to a group of enemies or the first time you walk up to an encampment, before they fully engage on you, you have a few seconds to press up on your D-pad to engage a standoff. And then the game will kind of shift to a very sort of like um, cinematic view as you and another character stand next to each other and proceed to kind of go into like a duel um, where it's the first person to like slash their sword at the right time and you can instant kill people. And you can actually upgrade that ability until like you're taking out four to five people at once per standoff. So you can kind of ride into a camp, initiate a standoff, take out five people and then clean up the rest. Oh and that's God. really fun and satisfying in its own way. Um so there's things like that that make it really feel like a lot of fun. And then there are actually like full-on one-on-one duels where, um, you know, boss bosses get like a full-on like meter with health above them, like a Dark Souls type vibe. The camera zooms in really close. So it's almost at your midsection and it's one-on-one sword battles. It takes all away your, your ghost weapons and your ninja weapons. So you can't use them for these honorable combat things. 
And those are really fun too. That's where the sword combat and the, the swapping stances and the dodging and the parry really start to pay off. All right. So final word, uh, how would you wrap up uh, Ghost of uh, Ghost of Tsushima? Um, super generic open world game, but hey, I had a really good time with it. <laughs> like uh, I collected everything in this game and I don't know what that means. Um, it was just the perfect distraction for lockdown. I, I had a really good time with this and I was expecting to find myself very bored. All right. It's out now on the PlayStation 4. Uh, you can check it out. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream by Pixel Sift. Well, from open worlds to something a little more smaller in scope, I am curious about the ne- this next game, Gianni. Tell me about Ooblets. Ooblets is a game that I've been looking at for a long time, mostly because... It is a game that is has been very much shared online. It's something that the developers themselves have, have really um, been a big part of their their sort of engagement with people is to to share this experience online. So if you're coming into this game completely fresh, you've never heard of what Ooblets before is, how I would describe it is a game a bit like Pokemon, a game a bit like uh, Hearthstone in a way, and also a bit like the... Story of Seasons or Harvest Moon games. So there's an an element of all of those combined together. Um, Effectively, you're in a town called Badge Town. Uh, And in Badge Town, you can find uh, these little creatures, and they're called ooblets. And they are uh, animals, they are plants, they are little robot things. They're all sorts of little cute little animals. And um, your job is to basically collect the ooblets, which is where the Pokemon element comes into it. You then can use your... Uh, ooblets to engage in competitions with other. You know, you're not fighting anyone. You're actually dance battling them. Um, and in order to play out those dance battles, it's points based, uh, and you use that by playing a sort of like a card game and a card drawing style game. Um, so there's sort of a deck. Uh, there's no deck building, but there's sort of a deck draw uh, experience to it there. So uh, all the while, once you complete those battles, you are now moving over to your farm, which you are. Uh, revitalizing, repairing, and where you grow items, uh, either ooblets themselves, which you can get from winning dance battles, or uh, valuable things that you might need to make other stuff, Uh, so plants and veggies and all of that sort of thing. So it has a lot of those little elements, and it's all wrapped up in a beautiful sort of um, flat sort of cell-shaded style. Um, If you've seen uh, the Untitled Goose game, the style of that is not dramatically different, but with more of a sort of a fantasy vibe to it rather than uh, um, sort of uh, straight up and down, sort of uh, more realism but with a flat style. Yeah, it's it's a, a really... Low pressure is what I would describe it as. It's a low pressure fun game. It's very cute. I think a lot of people of all ages would be able to enjoy it. Um, and uh, it combines a lot of those really cool elements with a kicking soundtrack as well. Yeah, I, I got to ask the essential question, I think, when we get to any game that has like creature collection, which is, are these versions of the Pokemons any good? Like, are they cute little Pokemon creatures? Are you happy with the Ooblets in terms of how they're designed? Do yeah. They, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know when you play one of these games and you're like, that's a bad-looking Pokemon monster yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, even in the Pokemon series, they're bad-looking ones. Um, no, I think they're very cute. Um, they are sort of on the same sort of uh, themes, very sort of nature-themed for a lot of them. There's little birds. There's uh, little stumps that have arms and legs, these these cute things uh, which look like little robots. There's other weirder stuff as well. Um, they seem pretty cool. I mean, the thing about this as well is it's... um. It's still in early access at this stage, so the the scope for them to include cooler and newer ooblets 
uh, feels almost infinite at this stage. But yeah, no, they're great. I, I like them a lot better. Um, I compare them to some of the um, some of the creatures in another game that we've reviewed on on a mainstream, uh, the game called Temtem, and I kind of like the style of these monsters, these animals uh, that you become friends with. Uh, in and in this, than I do in sort of Temtem, and even more than I like some of the new Pokemon as well. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't like I was subtly throwing shade at Temtem because I feel like that's an example of you know one of those Pokemon like games that the character designs, the monster designs feel a little kind of generic. But I've I've looked at the Ooblets designs and they look really cute. They look really fun. They're all bipedal, but I guess that's because they've got like animation rigging designed for them all to do dance. Yeah, battles, right? which is yeah, pretty much that it. So everything that kind of has uh, you might they might have little arms, but sometimes they don't. Um, but yeah, they all kind of dance around on these two things, and I think that's part of it. So they all kind of join these synchronized dances. And I guess with any of these things, it's it's what you sort of connect to with these creatures. I think they have a very nice um, approachable style that I think a lot of people will really like, and especially think would be very appealing to to kids as well if they wanted to play this game um and yeah so it, it kind of combines a lot of those elements um you know there's the uh, it's even more farming based than say something like um, animal crossing for example there's uh you know it's you know you're actually tilling the land watering your crops waiting for certain amounts of time um the game progresses in days as well but the days do not feel like you need to uh achieve x number of things it's just do a few things each day go for as long as you'd like to do, um, and then you kind of will continue on in the next day. You just get kind of tired and go to sleep, um, and then you move into the next stage. And each day there are new ooblets which appear in the world as well. So the, the town itself, Badge Town, is quite small. You can run around it in about sort of 30 to 40 seconds if you wanted to. Um, but within that, there's different uh, uh, ooblets that appear, different variations as well. There's about three different variations of each ooblet. There's a standard, a sort of a rarer version, and then a quite rare, kind of like the shinies in Pokemon. Um, and you need to get the requisite requirements, which is items or or things that you find in the world, in order to be able to engage in a dance battle with uh, with the ooblet. So part of that is thinking about what can I do to build up enough resources so the next time that this ooblet appears, I can then jump on it and uh, take it and then get a seed from that battle, plant it at my farm, and then a few days later, I've got that ooblet. That's really interesting to me. I'm, I'm kind of curious because it seems like a lot of people have been saying... I feel like I'm running out of things to do in Ooblets or or maybe that like that some of the content feels a bit gated. So at first there's not much to do at all and it slowly expands out, which reminds me a little bit of how Animal Crossing New Horizons sorts of starts where it feels like you can run out of things to do very quickly. Did you have that sort of experience here? Are you feeling like there's lots of things to do or is it very much showing its um, early access um, I guess, uh, credentials of like, there needs to be more put into this game. There, I did run out of things to do a couple of times and I got to the point where there isn't a way, in games like uh, Harvest Moon or it's called um, Story of Seasons now, that particular series, you could always just go to sleep at any point and you actually can't do that in Ooblets, which is kind of a little bit annoying because I'd kind of achieved what I needed to do in that game. I was waiting on a whole bunch of plants to, to come through uh, to grow for the next day. There weren't anything for me to do yet, um, but I had to kind of wait around until I was at you know, the right point in time that I could actually go to sleep, um, which was kind of a bit... Uh, it sort of slowed me down quite a bit while I was playing this game. Um, but I don't know whether or not I'm trying to get in there and min-max this game in a way that it's not intended to be played. Um, and I wonder if actually the better way to play it is maybe play it in amongst um, other bits and pieces. You know, maybe play one day here and there, uh, do a few things in that um, sort of space, and then maybe go and 
play something else for a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it It's evolved. It's changed quite a few times since I started playing it as well. So the, the team is actually, uh, the, the team, the developers, Glumberland, are, are working on it quite a bit. So it's getting updated all the time. Um, but it would be remiss of me to sort of talk about Ooblets without sort of mentioning one of the big controversies that kind of came out. Initially, when um, the Epic Games Store uh, was first announced, uh, the developers announced that they were going to be bringing this game uh, to the Epic Games Store. Uh, and they were sort of being a, a unique, uh, basically a going to Epic straight away, effectively. That was the launch platform. And outside of that, it was also going to the Xbox Game Pass. Um, and I just, there was such a furor online about this game and people getting quite upset about it and being really cruel to the developers. And I just look at the game and I just can't match up with who would be so upset about that particular decision with the sort of people who I think would want to play this game. It doesn't really seem to me that they are the right match or something like that. So it's really fascinating to sort of see. Um, it, it really does feel like a game that is uh, sort of really targeted towards kids and families. And in fact, there is actually a, a part in the game where if you want to go and release your ooblets into the uh, into the world, you can uh, basically go and let them off into the wildlands. And it even warns you saying, hey, look, if you have pets in real life, don't go let them off into the, into the wildlands. You need to you know, take them to a proper shelter and stuff like that. So I don't know. It just feels to me that I can't help but think about that. But I don't know that anyone else who hasn't had that context would would come into this without the same with the same sort of thoughts. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I always come back to these sorts of games. I think of Animal Crossing as well, where I feel like there's not enough carrot on the stick for me to feel like I want to keep playing them. I feel like Harvest Moon is actually a really good example of stories of seasons because it, it feels like there's a bit more on there driving you through. There's kind of character narratives where you can get to know townspeople and like start romances or like, you know, there's just a little bit more of a narrative hook to keep me going from day to day. Um, and you can kind of min-max it and take it as far and as fast as you want with like building your perfect farm. I think of Stardew too. And, and then I wonder if this is one of those games or if it's more an Animal Crossing where it's going to be like, here's the sandbox, what you see is what you get, come up with your own goal. And I think if it's the latter, it's going to be a game that I struggle to connect with. Yeah, I wonder where that will kind of land in the end of it. It is, of course, still in early access at this stage when we're, we're talking about it right now and it's being updated. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, uh, you know, maybe for some people there is that moment that we had when Animal Crossing came out and it kind of came out at a very interesting moment in time um, and it was a, a really good, calm, contemplative moment uh, and calm, contemplative game uh, for a lot of people at that time. Uh, is that exactly what this is going to be well i don't really know um but for me i found like the things that i quite enjoyed was um you know building up these battles and uh thinking about the composition of the team when i go into this about how i can sort of multiply the effects similar to in a hearthstone you know you'd want to be able to uh, have a, a good cadence they call it um of cards sort of drawing on each other and building on their skills i really like that but i knew that from the way that the game was put together, that it would be very quick where every game would be a complete walkover for me as well. So would that continue to have a big challenge for me? Well, that would sort of remain to see. So for, for this would be a game that I would definitely say is one to keep an eye on, um, one to check out if you have it on the Game Pass, uh, if you're already on Xbox. It, it's not going to be much of a, a barrier for you to try it out. And then just keep checking with it. You know, uh, It seems like it's really fun. And if you've got little kids, I think they'll really enjoy it as well. Um, it's yeah, very cute, very enjoyable um, and, uh, you know, just stylish. Music is great. There's a lot lot there to love and a lot there to look forward to, I think. So that's Ooblets. It's out now. It's being developed by Glumberland. It's on the Epic uh, Games Store, and it's also on Xbox. 
You're listening to Mainstream by Pixel Sift. Visit us on pixelsift.com.au. Okay, so this has been Mainstream by Pixel Sift. It's what video games the Pixel Sift team have been playing and uh, what we've been checking out. Uh, my name is Gianni. Thanks for being part of episode 16, Adam. My pleasure. Always fun to chat. Thank you to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. Uh, now, Adam, if people want to find you online, where can they see all your good tweets? I'm at Adam Christou. Very simple to find on Twitter. And I'm at G underscore DI underscore G. And while you're there, give Pixel Sift a follow on social media as well. That's at Pixel Sift on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just give it a search. We've also got another uh, podcast. It's just called Pixel Sift. So have a look in your podcast feed uh, for more information about that one. We just ticked over episode 150 where we talked to developers. We talked to more than 186 developers over the time about what it takes to make games. So if you've ever been curious about how hard or how fun or what you've learned, uh, or if you're curious to learn more about how games are actually made, that's what I would recommend you check out. It's just called Pixel Sift, and you should see it in your podcast player, uh, pretty similar to where you found this one. Yeah, and if you don't feel like listening to another podcast, maybe you've got a cup of coffee and you want to just read something, you can head to our website. Uh, We've got articles, we've got videos, we've got a whole bunch more stuff going on there. That's at pixelsift.com.au. And yeah, If you like what you heard, why not tell someone that you know, tell a friend, tell family members, tell the person that you're in lockdown with at the moment. And if you think they'd like it, it's uh, a great thing to let them know that we're on pretty much any podcast player of choice out there that they can find us and rate us and give us a listen. That's it for Mainstream for this time. Until next time, have fun.